everybody. This is S.T. Briggs, change management enthusiast, chicken owner, licensed emotional intelligence coach, and owner of Briggs Performance Consulting. My wish for this podcast is to share insight and helpful tips around leadership topics, such as emotional intelligence, managing change, and leading teams. I have over 20 years experience in learning and development. I also went back to school in my early to mid forties to get my bachelor's degree in leadership. And then I went on to get my master's last year in organizational development uh, from USF, which is where I met my good friend and fellow USF alum, Normandy Gamboa. Normandy's here with me today. Hi, Esti. Thank you so much. And hello, everyone. Um, My name is Normandy Gamboa. And just like Esti, I'm an organization development and a change management enthusiast, um, but a project manager by profession. Um, Prior to the pivot that I made into project management, uh, I was in social work for six years. And I met Esti in a grad program, and that's why we're here. We're both passionate about organization development and change Mm -hmm. management altogether. So in everything that has to do with um, human behavior and, and human dynamics. So mm. welcome, everyone. Perfect. Yeah, thanks, Normandy. And thanks for um, offering to interview me today. And I look forward to interviewing you too. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So um, <clears throat> I will let you go ahead and ask me whatever you want to ask me. <laughs> awesome. Very good. Very good. So Esti, um, before we do move on, um, I just, I know you introduced yourself, but I just want to hear a little bit more about how you got to be here um, in this consulting mm. space. Sure. So um, I've always really, really been attracted to and fascinated by change in general. And um, I remember I was in my uh, undergrad program at St. Mary's, and we read an article by William Bridges, who you're familiar with, um, about change and about how when people experience change, that uh, there's really an ending that takes place at the beginning of the change and how they have to go through the process that's almost like grieving of letting go of the old way of doing things before they can move on and embrace the new way of doing things. And of all these change management models and frameworks that we learned about in grad school and just, you know, reading Harvard Business Review articles or or academic publications, for some reason, that one has always stuck with me um, because I think it really speaks to how we experience change as individuals but also in a larger organizational context. And hearing that and reading that article really resonated with me. And it's always been something that I've wanted to just stick with and help people through. Um, So I started out, my consulting business actually started out recording training videos for the software company that, that I now work for. So they were my first client and then they hired me. (laughs) Um, And so now I work full-time for them doing implementations, but I'm also still doing emotional intelligence coaching and um, assessments and debriefs for people. And I'm specifically interested in how 
the skill sets that are included in emotional intelligence impact our ability to help lead people through change and how we can make it an easier transition for people basically when they're going through that that process of letting go of the old way of doing things and embracing the new way and how to make that as um, painless as possible basically for everybody involved. Very nice. Thank you, Esty. And and so true. I mean, right now we're living in an an unequivocally accelerated, rapid face with the COVID environment, right? right? And you mentioned that EQ is something that could help um, many of the leaders um, navigate that transition. So um, I'd like to hear more. I know for, for many of us in the OD field, we're familiar with uh, emotional intelligence or EQ and mm-hmm. Daniel Goleman, but mm-hmm. at a very high level or, you know, um, can you give us an overview of what EQ is and what we might be able to do with it? Yeah, I'd love to. So, um, the answer is that it isn't just a thing. It's basically a um, group of skills. And the difference between EQ or emotional intelligence quotient and IQ um, is that IQ is more cognitive intelligence. It's more uh, a fixed set of skills that you either have or you don't. Um, <clears throat> emotional intelligence, on the other hand, is a set of social and emotional skills that basically influence the way that we express ourselves, how we develop, how we maintain social relationships, um, and how we, and this is important, how we process emotional information in a way that we can take that information in and make meaning of it. So for example, emotional awareness is one of the skills. There's 15 skills. They fall into five different categories. And I could show you if this was a webinar, I could show you the wheel and and the list of the different skills, but there's specifically some that that I'm going to talk about today that are related to change management. Uh, Basically, emotional intelligence is a set of skills that can be built over time. So unlike IQ, which is cognitive intelligence, um, emotional intelligence is is a set of skills that you can build on and coaches can work with you to grow them. Um, people, ha- you have emotional intelligence, um, whether you think you do or not, or whether you know you do or not. And uh, it's just basically how often you use the skills in different situations that... Um, determines, you know, what your skill set is in each of the areas. Very nice. And that's a very good point, ST. Um, EQ is a skill and it can be learned, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I do want to hear a little bit more and I want us to talk, uh, I, I want us to talk a bit more about how EQ um, might impact a leader's ability to manage change. Yeah. So my two favorite topics. So, um, <laughs> so as you know, and and I'll just explain like at a high level, um, you know, when we're managing change and when we're trying to get people on board with a change in an organization, um, 
basically there's a set of steps that you need to take and which steps you take are up to you. There's all these different change models. There's Cotter's eight steps uh, or seven steps. There's um, ADCAR, which you mentioned, you and I were talking about before the podcast. Um, Basically there's a set of steps that you go through and they include things like building a vision, a shared vision of what the change is going to be and why we need the change. So, just that step there, I'll just pause at building a vision. Um, that requires emotional intelligence. If you're going to build a vision of the way that things are going to be, and you're trying to persuade people to come along with you and share this vision with you, um, it's going to require that you have very high interpersonal skills or I shouldn't say it's going to require it, but it's going to be a lot easier if you do. (laughs) Um, Also, empathy is a huge one. And that's another skill in emotional intelligence, excuse me, in emotional intelligence. So the more empathetic you are, um, the better your interpersonal skills are, um, the better you're going to be able to energize and motivate people and help build that shared vision. Um. Another step that we talk about when we're talking about managing change is this idea of dealing with resistance to change, right? Right. So people are not always comfortable with change for the reasons I talked about earlier. They feel like they're letting go of a way of doing things that was really comfortable for them often. And, you know, there could be a million different things that are changing for them Um, or a million different things that they're experiencing as they're going through change. Um, I'll give you one example. When I I did this talk on change at St. Mary's and I went around the room and I asked everybody to reflect on a change that they've been through. And people reflected on everything from like the loss of a loved one to one of the students worked at Applebee's and they had changed the way the menu ordering worked so that people were ordering from their tables on these like iPads instead of ordering with the wait staff. Um, So that seemed like a really almost an, you know, it wasn't a change that I would have thought of as being a big major change, but it definitely impacted her, uh, you know, her ability to interact with the customers and, you know, where she'd been really competent before in, interacting with people now that was being taken away from her. So she had to see what was in it for her in order to go along with that change. And um, an emotionally intelligent leader is going to be able to inform people that the change is coming and make sure that they understand why it's happening and also be able to deal with the resistance that comes up naturally. So um, there's always going to be some resistance to change And conflict resolution, stress management, those are all emotional intelligence skills that can really help a leader deal effectively with that resistance and um, empathy as well. Very nice. No, Esti, those are really great points. And, you know, regardless of whether or not you're um, doing a visioning board or, you know, Mm -hmm. just managing resistance or not really managing, um, but dealing with resistance in general, right? Empathy shows up. Um, mm. Empathy um, 
has to be present. Uh, and I guess my question is, uh, besides empathy, are there other attributes or skills um, that that might be a good example? Um, actually, delete. Yeah. Um, let me rephrase my question. So, <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. So, so besides empathy, um, what are the other um, attributes or skills that might be listed under the general umbrella of emotional intelligence? Sure. So, um, so there's actually f- the the certification that I have is through um, MHS Multi Health Systems, but it's also based on the work of Daniel Goleman, and um, there's five composites or competencies. Um, the first one is self-perception. So how you perceive yourself, how aware you are of your own emotions. Um, and I think that that emotional self-awareness is a really big one because if you don't know what's triggering you as a leader to be anxious or um, worried or upset, you're not going to be able to do anything with the information that you get from from experiencing those emotions and emotions are really are, you know, it sounds like a squishy term (laughs) that before, before our grad program at USF, I wouldn't have thought that emotions had anything to do with the workplace. Um, But I would have been wrong. And (laughs) um, they show up quite a bit in work because we're all human and we all have, you know, we all have emotional reactions to things. So, so self-perception, emotional awareness specifically are big. And then the other, one of the other composites or competencies is interpersonal, which I mentioned earlier. And that's comprised of three subsets of skills, one of which is interpersonal relationships specifically. So um, how you interact with others, how you show up, especially if you're in a leadership position, um, literally how you show up at work and whether that's virtually or in, in a physical office, um, people pick up on that and they're aware of it, even if you're not aware of it. So you have a lot of influence there as a leader that you may not even be aware of in the kind of mood that you bring to the job, you know, to meetings, to work every day. And then I think the last one is probably Uh, one of the most important when it comes to individuals dealing with change. um, And that's flexibility. And flexibility is really just the ability to still thrive when things are unknown. And um, I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. I think. Yes, we are. (laughs) You know, many of us really don't have a choice. And I know I'm the only reason I know it's Saturday and not Thursday or Tuesday is because I'm not sharing my office with my daughter and fighting over who's going to get the Zoom call time <laughs> because because <laughs> we've been homeschooling and working from home all under the same roof for, um, I don't know, 12 weeks. Um, anyway, so yeah, so flexibility, empathy, emotional self-awareness, and interpersonal skills, I think, are uh, really key to being able to manage change. Thank you, Esty. No, and as, as you talk about all those different aspects um, or subsets of emotional intelligence, you know, I, you know, I am seeing that they are very much interrelated, right? 
one mm-hmm. to, one has to have the self awareness um, in order to evaluate how they're feeling. And so, yes. you know, in order to to be flexible as well, right? So there's a lot of interconnectivity between or amongst these um, subsets. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, like as you noted, flexibility right now, that's very much needed in the kind of environment we're in, where, you know, there's a lot of ambiguity. And we, we all know that people regress in the face of ambiguity. And people regress also in the face of, um, or also people also regress um, with too much control. Mm. So those are the, the two sort of settings where, you know, flexibility would be really required in order to, to navigate um, a lot of the changes that are happening. Um, Absolutely. So, and I guess my next question would be, you know, just drilling down into something at a behavioral. Be- Let me repeat that. So, so, <laughs> yeah. So something that I, I do want to um, drill into um, is, I guess, uh, asking the question in terms of um, behavior and something a little bit more tangible and concrete. Um, so in the kind of environment we're in now where we're working from home and, you know, we, we essentially the, the boundaries between work and home have uh, blurred, um, you know, how might we be able to show or exhibit um, emotional intelligence in the kind of work environment that mm. all of the sudden thrown into? Ooh, yeah. Um, you know, just speaking from purely experience and giving you an off-the-cuff answer, I think the key is to be as authentic and vulnerable as you can be comfortably as a leader. Um, And I say as you can be comfortably because I know that not everybody is a Renee Brown fan and they're not all going to come into the office um, mm-hmm. emoting all over the place as one of my developers says at work. Um, <laughs> but I think when we see our managers express to us that they're, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, my manager currently that I have is in Virginia and he's got two kids and he's working from home and he's having all the same struggles that I'm having right now. Um, I've always worked from home but I haven't had to work from home during a pandemic ever, nor has he, <laughs> nor have any of us. Um, and he's got no problem with like his kids coming in the room on the back of a Zoom call and having to mute himself to like tell his kids to quiet down. And he's just, he's not trying to pretend like everything's normal. It's like, because it's not. Yes, we and, should. Yeah. And it sort of feels comforting to know that I'm not the only one going through that struggle, that he's not going to, you know, judge me if my kid comes in the background when I'm on a one-on-one meeting with him or my dog barks at the mailman, like we're all going through the same struggle. And, um, and he's expressed frustration too. So that's where the vulnerability is, I think, is just sharing what's really going on and, how you're feeling as a leader, even if you don't have all the answers about when things are going to be normal again, which none of us do, 
I think just being as authentic and real as possible um, in whatever's in your comfort zone. Um, Cause you still have to be, you know, whoever you are as a person, but when we try to pretend like everything's okay and we're on top of it all and everybody else needs to just get in line. Uh, I think people pick up on that and bullshit meter goes off. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, you, you mentioned that kind of, um, you mentioned that kind of environment that normally, it, you know, pre COVID, that's the kind of world that we live in anyway, where, you know, a lot of times leaders act as if, you know, emotions don't exist. And right. that, you know, that, every, that that all the leaders are on top of everything, that everything's perfect. And, you know, the, the, the world of work um, really demands a lot of perfection when mm. we're humans. And in a lot of ways, you know, and this, I'm not saying that COVID is a good thing at all, not at all, but in a lot of ways, it's showing us um, the the kind of path that we want to move into where, you know, hmm. we, in a world where the, what was I trying to say? In a world where, in a world of work where the boundaries are being blurred. Yeah. Really helpful to see the leaders be human. Yeah. And, and to, to really be able to empathize and and to be authentic about how they feel um to be exactly. about not feeling so sh- sure or certain about what's going to happen and and with that being able to push through anyway and being able to problem solve with the kind of you know um challenges that are being presented currently oh my gosh absolutely yeah i i you know, to your point, you know, clearly COVID is a tragedy and it's been, it's been a nightmare, um, for a lot of people and, you know, globally, not even just for us as a country or as an organization or as a family, it's, you know, it's across the globe, but I sat in on a webinar and I think maybe this will be even like a good thing to leave, leave with leave on a positive. <laughs> um, I sat in on a webinar a couple weeks ago about psychological safety and how, you know, that's a whole nother topic. Um, not that I'm an expert in, but just that, you know, I know that teams need it in order to perform <clears throat> and how there is no psychological safety right now. Everybody feels really uncertain and that can be really unnerving for people. But if there's a positive, the positive or the silver lining is that everything is so jumbled and so far from the status quo now that we kind of have this opportunity, this unique opportunity to shape how we want our culture to be going forward. So like, not to keep going back to the change management models, but there's like, I think it was Lewin had three, there's three phases. There's like freeze, unfreeze and refreeze. Yep. Right. So meaning that, you know, everything goes along and it's the status quo. And then this big change comes for 
for now, it's a giant global pandemic and everybody's suddenly no longer commuting and they're all working from home and they're all um, homeschooling their kids too. And they're all trying to find this new work-life balance. Um, that's the unfreeze. That's the slush, right? So <laughs> we're in the middle of this ambiguous, uncertain time. And the things that we may have liked to have changed before, where when everything was the status quo, there was no reason to change. Now we can implement those changes because everything's so askew anyway. Why not implement health and wellness initiatives or video conferencing, for example? My, like, my company never did video calls. Now we do video calls all the time because everybody's working from home. And I think it's a really nice thing, actually. Like, I like that and I hope that we stick with it because I like being able to see people's facial expressions and nonverbal and, you know, nonverbal communication is something like 80% of how we communicate. So my point is just that it's, it is an opportunity for us to implement things that we do want to see become part of the norm going forward, whether that's, um, you know, balancing work and life with our kids and home and school and office or video calls, um, whatever it is, it, it is our opportunity as leaders to implement some new norms that we want to solidify and make part of how we move forward after this. I That's don't know. Does that make point. sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And thank you for framing it and framing this as an opportunity because really it is. And in a lot of ways, we, we can't go back to, to the old ways of doing things. And right. if we are to seize this as an opportunity, one of the biggest things we can do is to infuse our leadership, our skills, mm. and how we Absolutely. manage with emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Yeah, and excellent point. That, yeah, and with that, Esty, like, are there any other um, points um, that you would like to make before we... You know, I... I'm sorry. <laughs> Before we wrap up, um, I I mentioned that you know all of these skills can be built, and that's true. And the one thing I would say that I think is the foundation of all leadership skills is self awareness and being aware of how you show up and how that impacts um, other people. SP. And one of the best ways to build SP. that skill. Oh, sorry. <laughs> One of the best ways to build that skill is to seek real feedback from people. So, you know, find people you trust on your team and ask them, you know, how did I show up in that meeting? Or how did I, how did I, uh, you know, did that person feel like I answered their question? Um, but seek feedback because A, people, you build trust with people when you ask them for feedback. And B, we have a lot of blind spots. We don't always know what we don't know about ourselves and how we're perceived by others. So um, I think that emotional self-awareness is really the key to being an effective leader. And once you have that, then you can work on all the other skills. Um, and then the other thing that I would say is that, you know, you don't have to be great at all of these things. You just have to be aware, again, <laughs> of what your strengths are and where your blind spots are, and then 
you know, hopefully you've got people on your team that can help you in those areas where, where you've got blind spots, but that's all I've got. (laughs) Self-awareness is key. (laughs) Thanks. Absolutely. I think, um, so it's where everything starts is self-awareness without it. Uh, it may be difficult to, to move on to all the other skills. Mm -hmm. Um, but with that said, Esty, um, I don't know what else to ask. And quite honestly, Esty, I'm like, were we, am, am I supposed to like segue into ending or wrapping up? <laughs> <laughs> it's our first so episode, sorry. right? <laughs> I think I'll probably, um, I will say that if, you know, if you or anybody you know would like to do an emotional intelligence assessment with me, um, it's actually something that I love doing and I have my certification. I can send you the link. You can take about a 10 minute assessment and then uh, you and I would do a debrief. And if that's something that you or anybody you know are interested in doing, feel free to email me and um, and then I'll send you the link. And then there's also a link to take an emotional intelligence assessment on my website, which is just briggsperformanceconsulting.com. Um, and if there's a way for me to put the link in this podcast, I will do that. But I haven't mastered that technology yet. So awesome. Thank and you. Esty, yeah. And Esty, yes. in addition to um, the emotional intelligence um, assessment, um, didn't you also do um, the DISC assessment certification? I did. I love DISC too. DISC is, I think DISC is more um, appropriate for teams. And I'll probably do a podcast on DISC uh, styles in the future, too, because that's a really helpful assessment. But yeah, I do. I have have my DISC assessment and my emotional intelligence assessment certifications. And um, they're really, you know, they're they're helpful tools for building self-awareness. And they're just that. Tools are valuable in how you choose to use them. So I'm definitely not selling them as like a silver bullet for anything, but... um, yeah, if you're interested in learning more, please reach out. Perfect. And something to look forward to. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Normandy. I look forward to interviewing you next. And um, thank you for listening. Thank you for interviewing me. <laughs> thank you. It was my pleasure. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>